Historically, Alaska is a place that has attracted those fed up with conventionality. Says Wild Bill, Wild Man Bill O'Reilly. That's my second favorite quote from Billy. The first being, Fuck it! Fuck it, we're doing it live! Fucking Wild Bill. Truth is, the remote Alaska attracts a different type of person. The more loner, self-sufficient type. Let's focus on the loner, because with our interests, loner is kind of a key. Alaska offers a dark and cold winter. I mean, very dark. I mean, some places you're looking at negative 40, negative 50, even colder than that. I mean, a, a good portion of it, a good chunk is in the Arctic Circle, for fuck's sake. Now, on the other hand, summer's bright and fucking warm. I mean, you got a fucking ying and you got a... Fu- oh, you got a fucking ying and you got a fucking yang. It's same, same, but it's fucking different. So the winners... If you never lived in Alaska, winters are a fucking test for your mind and your soul and your fucking everything, right? There's so much darkness. Occasionally, you get a little peekaboo from the sun. It's like, oh, peekaboo, you get a little sun. Now, if you were spending the night before fucking drinking and getting wild, like you're probably going to be doing in the winter because there's not a whole lot to do. I mean, yeah, you can... You can go out in the outdoors and stuff. There's, there is stuff to do, but it's fucking dark all the goddamn time. So if you're up at night partying with your boys, your girls, whatever, you sleeping a bit a little too long, you're going to miss the sun. And it's going to be dark, dark, dark. And even, I mean, even depending out where you are in Alaska, you might not even get a little peak of fucking boo. The sun just might say, ah, fuck you, man. I'm fuck it's winter. I'm fucking just gonna chill. You can eat a dog. Right? So it's winter in Alaska. Sun's playing fucking hide and seek. Throw in a fucking very remote location in Alaska, which is very easy to do with very few fucking people. And you have a solid fucking recipe from the master chef himself, Lucifer. It's just Satan's fucking brewing something up and it can get fucking ugly. For this small town killing, we're traveling to McCarthy, Alaska, a remote outpost with about 22 residents on the good time within a 50 mile radius. And that's on this episode of Wrecking for Murder, hosted by me, Ryan Lala Fever. Satan's brewing something up, and it's gonna get tasty and fucking beautiful. Before we board the murder train to Alaska, We'll zip back in time to January 1st, 1944 in Leewood, Kansas, where Louis D. Hastings was born. Young Lou was a loner. He suffered from chronic depression. His father would physiologically abuse him. This was after the old man returned from World War II, so I'm sure he was fucked up in the head to begin with. Killing Nazis has a way to fuck with your head. One can only imagine how many Nazis his father actually killed, but I'm sure there's probably a few. If uh, he's abusing his son, and maybe maybe he saw Lewis and he was like, hey, Lou, are you a fucking Nazi? You look like a Nazi. Maybe his son looked like a fucking Nazi to him. I don't know. I, were you there? I wasn't fucking there. So he's abusing his son, and then he's, eventually he's just like, man, fuck y'all. Fuck 
Lou's sister, fuck his mother. And the only one he fucked I know of was his mother. But, you know, I'm saying like more of a metaphorical sense, not like a literal, like he fucking got down on the incest train. I won't won't lie about his dad about that. I don't know if he did it, but there's no record of it. But he fucking bounced. He's like, fuck this. I'm out of here. Maybe he maybe I don't know where he went. I, I didn't look into it. I didn't research it, but I'm pretty sure if you do. You're going to find out he went back to Germany and got some more Nazi killing in. Because once you start on the Nazi killing, you just can't stop. So Lou, growing up, he became more of an environmentalist. He liked the environment. You know, young Greta, Greta, you know, in his time. Uh, he joined the Air Force. So it, it falls into the environmental side. Yeah, you join the service, but you're not out there killing people. Unless you're firing uh, flying fighter jets or some shit and you're shooting things down like fucking Top Gun and you're inverted and you're flipping some of the fucking bird. That didn't happen. All I know is he joined the Air Force and didn't look into it any further. Fuck you. No, I'm kidding. But uh, he loved animals. In fact, he volunteered to clean uh, birds from an oil spill off the California coast. He also loved long walks, walks on the beach by himself. And just the fucking birds, man. He fucking loved them birds. Last one's a guess. And a pretty good fucking guess. Because he was a loner. He loved birds. Who doesn't love fucking walks on the beach? He was probably playing suck on my beak and fluff the feathers. Maybe 100% correct. We'll never know. But let's just go with it. Uh, he After... After going to school and everything, he worked at Stanford University, right? I mean, pretty pretty good place to work, I'd imagine. Pretty prestigious, right? Mm, get your pinky up, you're working at Stanford, and to top it off, this dude's a fucking nerd, and he was a computer programmer. I mean, tie it in. He was born in 1944, and he's a computer programmer. I don't know what kind of computer shit was going back then. Maybe all you needed to know how to do on a computer is fucking type something out. I don't, I don't know, but I know... Growing up in the 90s and shit, and computers weren't that complex. So I can only imagine, you know, back in the 60s, whenever this was, 60s, 70s, early 80s, whatever, they probably weren't that complex. He probably didn't have that many skills. But he thought his programming skills were the shit. He thought he was the fucking top dog of the fucking house. Thought he was the best, right? However, with many people like him... That was just not the case. This shit was mini fucking ooker. So Lou was a nerd. What do nerds do? They go to the fucking library, man. What does he find at the library? His fu- love at fucking first nerd, right? They're reading books together, whatever. There's this young librarian, a sweet girl. Fucking hot. She's got them boobies. Madeline Stovall. Right, Madeline, Madeline? Stanford librarian. You know, and so this sparks some, this sparks some little bit. This, this made him stand up. You know, his forest was getting, it was becoming a fucking Amazon jungle. Is what it was becoming, and it. So June 1979, they these little lovebirds get married, right? Fucking hey, they do. Honeymoon, Kencott Lodge, Alaska, which is pretty close to McCarthy, Alaska. So they're honeymooning out there. While they're honeymooning out there. They decide, you know, they're talking it up and like, all right, Madeline, uh, I love computer programming, but I just want to get out into the wilderness and get away from society. You, 
Should we just quit our fucking jobs and move up here? Oh, Lewis, that's so adventurous. I never expected that from a fucking nerd like you. Oh my god, that just gets me popping. Pop, pop, pop. So these motherfuckers, they're like, all right, let's quit our fucking jobs. Let's move to fucking Anchorage. So they do that. They quit their jobs and they move to Anchorage. Louis, being the fucking nerd that he is, he starts a computer service company, which fucking sucked balls. It was not doing well, which I'm not surprised because it's 1980, about 1980 at this time. I don't know how many fucking computers there really are around this time. Probably not a lot, especially in Alaska. I'm sorry. It's the fucking wilderness. The whole reason you went out to Alaska is to escape the fucking civilization and all this fucking uh, modernization that's going on. So you escape out to Alaska and start a fucking computer service company. The population is already smaller than where you fucking came from, man. And I don't know. Probably his business model, probably not that good. I don't know who gave him a fucking loan to start this business, but that bank was fucking stupid. So this company's sucking balls. And... So that's stressing them out. And and to add to the stress, Alaska population starting to grow a little bit. The development is starting to happen a little bit. And then you throw in the Trans-Alaska Pipeline. That shit started pushing Lou off, right? So he's like, man, we need to get the fuck out of here a little bit more. So they buy a vacation home where they honeymoon at Kennecott Copper Mine, five miles from McCarthy. This is a perfect spot for him for what, what he was wanting because McCarthy had no running water. No telephones, no electricity, except if you had a fucking generator. That's the only way you're going to have electricity. Elicery. What the fuck is elicery anyways? Sounds like a name. Is it a name? If it's not, name your kid that or don't. It's kind of fucking silly. But that's the only way they had electricity. Uh, His company started failing more and more. His marriage wasn't doing so well. Lou probably didn't know how to fuck. So Madeline was probably going out and getting a little frisky. Fucking blame her. Fucking Lou is bald as fuck. He was wearing glasses, looking nerdy. He probably didn't know how to do anything in the sack. Right? He probably was like, peg me, Madeline, peg me. Right? Uh, That's probably why he wanted to go to Alaska so no one would fucking know about it. I don't know. So he's getting pissed off because the fucking pipeline the fucking pipeline is 800 miles long. 800 miles. And it accounts for 25% of the U.S. oil production. That's that's a lot. And when you when you start thinking about it, if you're Lou, you start thinking and you start getting angry and you're just like, the fucking birds! The birds! The fucking birds are covered in oil! Oil! Oil covered birds! Oil makes them slippery! Which is kind of fun, because then you can play hide the sausage oil you ride, and I have to clean them off anyways, I guess. Uh, no, fuck the pipeline. No, 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 fuck the, this is going to be fun. No, fuck the, fuck the pipeline. So, Lou devises a plan. He buys a bunch of fucking guns, 2,000 rounds of ammo. He makes a homemade silencer decked out with fucking beaver fur. Because even though Lou is a fucking nerd and he loves animals, which is kind of ironic, he fucking decks this shit out with some beaver fur. He's like, yes, I fucking love beavers. I love beavers so fucking much. I'm going to wrap this around this tube and it's going to make no one's going to know. He also makes a list of about 200 Alaskan 
politicians, civic leaders, and of the Alaskan Police Department Crisis Intervention Response Team, which includes their phone numbers and their fucking addresses. I mean, I don't know where he's got this. Maybe he was planning on killing them all. Who knows? And to start prepping for his fucking all-out war plan that he's starting to build up, he starts training by shooting fucking rabbits. Right? As much as this motherfucker loves animals and the environment and shit, now he's fucking shooting rabbits. I don't know, bro. Maybe she just train on people or something. Don't do that if you're thinking about this. Just don't fucking don't shoot people. But his plan in McCarthy was to hijack the mail plane, kill the fucking pilot. Apparently, he knows how to fly the plane because he was going to fly the, the plane near the pipeline, then rig it to take it off by itself. Like, I don't, I've never flown a plane before. So if you have, let us know. Is it that fucking easy to wear your... You can just rig it to take it off by itself and it'll fly for a little bit. I don't know. We're talking about a single engine plane. Like, you know, like those crop dusters, older planes and shit, smaller ones and shit, whatever. Then he was going to steal a fuel truck and kamikaze that motherfucker into the pipeline while shooting at it. Crazy motherfucker, whatever. And now you're thinking to yourself, Lou. You're, you're supposed to be an environmentalist and you're going to cause this oil spill. He thought about that. He thought about the oil spill in the birds. And he was like, well, it's winter. The oil should be congealed, which means congealed oil will mm, minimize the oil spill damage to the environment. It's a win-win. And it would take months to repair. And Lou would be a true American hero. That's right. Eat your heart out, America. But first, before Luke could get to the pipeline, he had to handle some fucking business to make his plan all come together. And the key thing about this plan was to do without his family ever knowing it was him. So on March 1st, 1983, it was motherfucking mail day, bitch. That's right. Mail fucking day in McCarthy. Mail day was a special fucking Tuesday now. It's not like today where you can get your Amazon fucking packages two fucking days later. You get mail every day. You get shit fucking lickety fucking split right now. It wasn't like that. Mail day happened once a week. So it was a special time. It was a social time. Everybody everybody came together on mail day. They, they fucking got together. They talked some shit. It was just a lovely, lovely day, mail day. Well, around 8.30 a.m., Lou made the trek through the snow cold Alaska winter snow to the home of Chris Richards. Now, Chris and Lou occasionally drank and played board games together. I mean, McCarthy, Alaska, there isn't a whole lot of shit to do out there. I mean, you can hunt. There, There is stuff to do. It just depends what you're thinking about. There's no fucking city life. So they played some fucking board games and drank occasionally. Well, Chris was making breakfast, and he saw Lou walking up. And he's like, all right, man, I'm going to put some fucking hot water on. He's probably cold, this motherfucker. I don't know why he's coming here this early, but all right, I'm going to put some hot water on and make some, some fucking coffee. Chris lets uh, old Lou boy in, you know. And uh, inside, Chris turned and reached for a cup. Lou, with his beaver silencer, shot him. Chris felt something hit his right fucking cheek and it broke his fucking glasses. He ducked instinctively, felt something hit the top of the head, 
and you know, at the moment, Chris just Chris thought someone. So he, why is Lou hitting me? And then he realized, oh fuck, I've been shot, motherfucker! This motherfucker shooting at me. So Chris, Chris is screaming. He's like, Lou, stop, mother, yo, dude, just stop it, man. Why are you doing this? Lou looks at Chris and says, Look, you're already dead. If you'll just quit fighting, I'll make it easy for you. Chris was like, fuck that shit. He grabbed a knife from the sink during the struggle, slightly stabbing Lou in the upper ch- left chest. Stab! And once in the right leg, stab, stab! Chris broke free. He fucking bolted. He He's running out in the Alaska snow wearing just his fucking socks, a shirt, and fucking, you know, fucking underalls, man. That's all he's fucking wearing. Not much, man. He's just running. And dangerous fucking game begins. The most dangerous game of all. Man hunting man. So fucking Chris is just booking it, man. He's fleeing about three quarter miles to the neighbor's cabin. And fucking A, man. Chris's luck. Nobody was fucking on. But Chris upgrades, man. It's like in a fucking video game. It's like, all right, man, now I'm going to get some fucking boots. I got a parka, which is a coat. And he continues to flee. Lou's on his trail. Lou's pissed off. He doesn't see nobody in the trail. He's like, I'm going to burn this bitch down. Lou's just got fucking fire inside of him. He's like, just destruction. All right, again, environmentalist, man. Now he's burning this shit down. I mean, I guess it's a good thing it's the winter in Alaska, so you're not going to start... A fucking fire because when i lived in alaska the first year i lived there there was a fucking forest fire and you weren't supposed to be outside more than five minutes at the time because how bad it was for your health because of all the ashes and shit so i mean fire can fucking spread uh, <laughs> really fucking quick even though it's alaska in the summer but this is winter so fuck it lou's like i'm burning this fucking down so he burns the fucking cabin down bitch <laughs> so he burns it down um and he still, he starts chasing down fucking Chris and he catches up on Chris because Chris is a little bit wounded. So is Lou, but Lou's got that fucking fire and fucking murder inside of him. So he's just catching up on him. He sh- takes some shots at Chris, hits Chris in the right arm, right? Lou ke- or, uh, Chris keeps going. They both fucking keep going. They're running away. Uh, Chris gets to Tim and Amy Nash's house or cabin. Tim and Amy Nash are newlyweds in their mid-late 20s. Chris told them the lowdown. He's like, fucking Lou went fucking mad. He went fucking crazy. He tried to fucking kill me. I don't fucking know why. I was just making breakfast and I tried to give him coffee and this bitch shot me in the face. Broke my fucking glasses. I can't fucking see uh, Nash, Nash told Lou, he was like, or Nash told Chris, he was like, I saw Lou 20 minutes earlier heading to the Hegwins. Uh, the Hegwins are the town's unofficial postmasters. Right? So they collect mail for everybody and they all congregate eventually at, if they're not at the airfield, they congregate over at the Hegwins. Chris was pleading. He's like, listen, bitches, Lou's fucking gone mad. You need to warn the others. You need to warn them. You need to let them know. So they all loaded up on the snow machine and uh, Chris got in the sled and, and they all headed for the airstrip to let everybody know. Good neighbors, right? Well, Lou arrives at the unofficial post office, which seems to be like a calculated trip. The makeshift post office had the only radio powerful enough to reach 
the outside world for help. So it makes sense that Lou did want to come here for one of two reasons. A, they all congregated there. And B, it had the radio that could radio for help. Lou kicks in the fucking door. He shoots Les Heglin and Flo Heglin and then shot Maxine Edwards, who had already arrived there for the mail. Lou then, knowing he has to fucking finish business, even though they're probably already dead at this point, walks up on them, shoots each one in the head for safe measures. Bang! 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 All right, real piece of shit. These motherfuckers were just trying to get some mail, hanging out, having a good time. Do nothing to nobody. He drags their bodies to the bedroom and stacks them on top of each other. Just piles up on each other. No, no regard for them. You know, just piles them on up. He attempts to clean the house of blood. And I say attempts because he didn't do a fucking good job. <laughs> he wasn't a clean guy, apparently. And uh, after that, he's waiting for the rest of the town to arrive to pick him off. He's like, this is a good this is a good place to stay. You know, because everyone that's living there lives far enough away where, uh, you know, they're not going to be able to hear the shots. And apparently he doesn't think much of Chris because he doesn't think Chris is going to warn anybody. So he's like, all right, this is perfect. Well, the Nashes flee to the, back to the airfield. They get to the airfield. Uh, the pilot, one of the pilots, now there's two planes that are coming in. One's that's already there, and then another mail plane comes in. Well, anyways, at the airfield is the pilot, uh, Gary Green. He uh, Gar Gary's like, hey, Na Tim and Amy, we should get you out of here. And they're like, nah, we're going to stay here and warn everybody else, right? Tim, Tim and Amy are not fucking cowards at all, obviously. Because they could have easily just fucking bolted right then and there. But they're like, no, we're going to warn everybody. So Tim and Amy stay back. Gary flies out with Chris to get him med attention and to notify the police in Glen Halen, which is like an hour, an hour and a half away by flight. So somewhere in the middle of this, Tim Nash decides to go to the Hagelin's cabin and warn the others. So armed with the shotgun, he heads over to the Hagelin's. When he gets there, he notices the door was kicked in. Gets inside. He notices there's blood around the house. Like I said, Lou did not do a fucking very good job. It's still There's still quite a bit of blood. And he can smell a lot of gun smoke. He's like, damn, there's a fire fight in this bitch. Well, Tim sees Lou on the back porch and fires a shot, slightly wounding Lou. Lou returns fire and hits Nash in the leg. Lou got the better one of that one. So fucking Nash is like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. So Tim flees back to the airfield. After Gary and Chris... Head out. Shortly after, Lou arrives at the airstrip. He crawls atop a snow mound, sets his sights in, fires at least 10 rounds at the Nashes, about 250 yards away. And it makes you wonder, did he pretend they were little wee rabbits? Was he just hunting rabbit, rabbits? Or people? Because he loves animals. So we'll never know, but I'm pretty sure he did not pretend they were rabbits today. Lou wounds both of them, knocking them to the ground. Now Lou moves in at about 50 feet, fires two more shots into each of them. He follows through. That's one thing about Lou is he fucking follows through. He's not done until he's fucking done. Top of that, standing over them, he needs to be sure. So he shoots them both in the head for safe measure. Attempts to clean up a little bit. He drags them to the snowbank to hide their bodies. Shortly after this, Harley King and Donna Byram arrive on their snow machine. When they arrived, Donna saw Lou walking over the snowbank. Getting closer, Donna saw blood and wondered, who's out here butchering animals on the runway? 
Because apparently, I mean, they butcher it. It is Alaska, so I mean, you're hunting and shit. All right, but that's what she was thinking. Donna and Harley drew closer and saw Nash's bodies. When Lou started shooting at them, Lou shot Donna in the arm and Harley in the fucking leg, man. It's like the arm and the leg. That's the main fucking things here. Center mass, bitch. So Lou coming at them, Harley wasn't able to move because he got shot in the leg. He just tells Donna, Listen here, Donna. You just need to save yourself. I'm old anyways. Just, just save yourself. So Donna runs for the Hagelin home. As she's running, she hears two more shots, which is Lou finishing off Harley. Donna gets to the Hagelin house and hides in a shack or a greenhouse. When Lou gets there, he's looking around, looking around, having trouble finding her. Apparently, he's not good at looking because it shouldn't be that hard to find her. But he's looking and he starts shouting, One not dead! One not dead! Lou couldn't find her. So as much as Lou, as good as he was about following through earlier for up until this point, he did not follow through. I guess he didn't follow through with Chris either. He fucking gave up and went somewhere else. I guess he picks and chooses. It's probably like selective listening, or this is more like selective following through slash selective killing. Well, he gets back on the snow machine. The plan is fucking botched at this point. He's running out of victims. He's like, well, fuck me. He's like, maybe I can just get on out of here and run away and pretend to be one of the victims. So he loads up all his ammunition and guns on the sled, which if you're going to pretend to be a victim, you should probably not take all that shit. But he does. Gets on the snow machine and takes off in the wilderness. About 2 p.m., which is about six hours after this all started, state troopers arrived at in a commandeered Trans-Alaska Pipeline helicopter. Which is ironic that they're using a helicopter owned by something that Lou wanted to destroy. Well, they get to the scene and they're flying around looking for looking for anybody. And uh, they see a man on the snow machine booking it away from McCarthy. So they're hovering over this dude, chasing him down. And Lou looking up at the helicopter, seeing it's not a police helicopter. Lou ends up stopping, waves him down. Lou says, I'm Chris Richards. And that Lou had gone berserk and he was shooting up McCarthy. Little did Lou know that, remember, Chris was evac to Glen Allen. And the state troopers knew this because they were there. The fucking jig was up, Lou. They on to you. So Lou was arrested. Many residents were surprised. It seems they were all suspect that it this, that this was bound to happen. They all were like, somebody here is going to fucking go on a killing spree. However, some of them thought it would have been someone else. And it seems like the majority thought Lou was fucking weird. But many of them suspected three or four others in particular that would have done this. Who? Who was others they, that uh, they thought had the evil inside? I don't know. I'm curious to know. Maybe that's how it is when there's less than 20 of you living in a small town and uh and this shit happens alaskan winters it does have a way of messing with your head and maybe that's all it was so chris richards the first victim said after the instance well no we didn't call 911 we call our neighbors 
and anybody starts shooting around here, we're going to take out the people we don't know first. We'll figure out what your problem is later. Well, fuck me. Don't move to McCarthy. I mean, I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, I'm not. That the survivors are cautious like that. Because, I mean, Lou hadn't been living there that long. He comes in and then he goes and starts killing everybody. That's what you're going to think. No outsiders, right? So it's not a, not a big surprise. But at the same time, if that's the sentiment at this time, which, you know, is, I think, pretty normal, I guess. But if that's the sentiment that they're just going to fucking sort you out, fig- kill you and sort you out later, well, God dang it, you might just want to not move there then. Um, sad note, though, Chris Richards, one of the first guys to get shot, the first one attacked, he died a week before Christmas in 2001 and his cabin burned down. So Lou was arrested and charged in 1984 with six counts of first-degree murder and two counts of attempted murder. Now, to remind you, six counts of murder and two counts of attempted murder. Six out of eight, that's a pretty good killing percentage. And, uh, I mean, it's terrible. It's pretty good. I mean, it's it's not good, but there was 22 people that lived in McCarthy probably during the summer. At this time, you're looking at about a dozen during the winter. So he killed half of the fucking population of McCarthy. And that is insane. I mean, who, where else in the world have they killed half the population of a fucking town? I would like to know. That's pretty fucking notable right there. Still terrible, but that's quite an accomplishment. <laughs> it's a bad accomplishment, but it's an accomplishment. Don't do it. Don't try to get the world record. All right, so uh, he's a failure. And never completed the first phase of his Savior Alaska plan. True American hero. Which was kill all the witnesses of McCarthy. That was the key to destroying the pipeline without anyone knowing. Because remember, he didn't want his family to know. So that's why he launched the attack on McCarthy. To kill the witnesses. And with that, he would have kamikaze the fucking pipeline. He would have died. And there would have been, in his mind, there would be no way for them to find out that it was him that kamikaze that shit. So it would have been assumed because he would have dumped the bodies out in the wilderness from the plane. And they would have thought that, you know, he was one of them. And they just never found his body. But it didn't happen. Uh, Lou had a personality disorder and thought highly of himself, as we already knew. He claimed insanity. However, Lou was sentenced to 634 years and is currently held at the Spring Creek Correctional Facility in Alaska. Thanks for joining us on Wrecking for a Murder on this special Small Town Killing. Remember, if you love birds, like to oil them up, then wipe them off after a little tug of room and think you're God's gift, and go fucking see hell before you go on a killing spree in the name of Mother Earth and the fucking birds. You can always reach us at murder at gmail.com. The dang old, old Gmail. And reckon, I reckon you hear. Until next time, 
Bongiorbano. That's right. And don't forget to oil your beak. Oil your beak.